So let's turn to Proverbs 8 and start with that first. Proverbs 8 and refresh just a, a moment on a scripture around wisdom. Verse 12 through 21. It says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Isn't that such an awesome scripture? Because he says, if you go and, and you get my wisdom, if you gain wisdom and you seek it diligently in your days and all of your life, then I will fill uh, your, your homes with wealth. I'll, I'll fill your homes with treasures and you'll be protected. You'll have discretion. You'll have safety. There's all of these things that come with wisdom. And like I've said before, so many times people are chasing these other things around, but they're not chasing wisdom at all. They're, ch they're chasing the things. But we need to be chasing after wisdom because wisdom brings all of the things that, that people are searching for. And then your life becomes uh, a star to others. It becomes a shining bright light to others and then they are drawn to it because the very essence and the very mind of Christ is flowing through you. So tonight let's talk about uh, number five. What is another way that excellence is seen or sorry uh, wisdom is seen in our life? I just gave you the answer excellence. Wisdom is seen in our life through excellence. Excellence. We just read how wisdom brings favor, riches, honor. And it comes through, many times, the means of excellence. And we'll read through uh, a portion of Daniel and a portion of Joseph because I want you to see how, how this very thing came into their life because of this. They found favor. They found riches. They found wealth. They found honor. But it was because of excellence. They weren't running around searching for, for honor. They weren't running around searching for wealth and riches and for prestige. It came through excellence. It came through excellence. Let me go through a, a few things around excellence. Excellent people, think of this. Excellent people, and keep Daniel and Joseph, both of them in mind as we're going through this, because this will just reiterate time and time again with every point that I make. Excellent people conquer what average people complain about. Excellent people conquer what average people complain about. So as soon as a, a, a hurdle is placed in front of them, as soon as an obstacle is placed there, then the average person begins to complain. I don't have the resources. I don't have the understanding. I don't have uh, this or that. I don't have the right people. I don't have, I don't have, I, I don't have access to. I don't have the resources. Uh, this isn't for me. This is too difficult. This is too hard. There's an automatic complaint that begins to happen. They don't like me. They don't favor me. Uh, they like so-and-so so better. You know, I don't have the credentials. Like all of these things begin to come out. I don't have the money. But people of excellence, you never see an excellent person that's been successful making excuses. They just don't. Because they look at something and say it can be conquered. And what they do, what an excellent person does is they find a way to solve the problem. They don't allow that problem to hold them back. They find a way to solve the problem. In fact, I, I was listening um, 
to a story the other day, um, and it was about Elon Musk, and he had he had uh, heard about. I can't remember if it was uh, Boy Scouts or something. There, it was a group of young young boys with their with their leader had gotten trapped in these caves in in a foreign country. I it, I think it was India, and they had gotten trapped. the The country was trying to get them out, um, and they were in these caves. But the, you had to go underwater in order to get into the the hole of the cave uh, where they were. And he had come up, he, you know, he heard about this and, and he was like, man, they, they need to get out. And so he's like working to, to create this contraption. He, you know, rich man, very rich man. So he's pulling all of his resources and the people he knows, people with wealth, people with wisdom, people that, with the know-how. And he's pulling them together to create this contraption, this type of submarine type thing that can go underwater and, and in there to get to where they need to go. And then he presents it to the people uh, to the, the government of India. It says, I created this uh, for you to use to go in and get, get these, these boys out. Well, the country ends up not using it. And they're like, well, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna go a different way. We're gonna try something different. And you know what was an amazing thing? Was he didn't say, you know what? I'm gonna forget it then. I'm gonna take my toy and I'm gonna go home. He didn't, he didn't do that. He said, okay. Sets that idea aside, rolls up his sleeves and says, what do you want to do? What is it that you want to do? Let's, let's get it done. And he ends up helping them carry out their vision and their plan. A man of excellence, ready to pursue the problem, even though they had rejected his idea. And even when he left, he left them uh, that contraption as a gift and said, it doesn't matter how you use it, I just want to gift it to your country, you can keep it. A man of excellence. He wasn't about being glorified. He wasn't about uh, getting his name in the, in the fame and in the, uh, the, the headlines. He wanted to make sure these boys were rescued. And it didn't matter how it was done. He was willing to, to come along someone else with a different idea and get it done. But the thing is, he was a, he's a man that is a problem solver, not someone that's saying, oh, this can't be done. Well, you guys, it's just it. Let's not do it. You know, this is a hard problem to solve. It's just unsolvable. People that are successful, people that, that walk in, in excellence will find a way to get something happening in, in a situation. They're not going to take no as an answer. And, of course, you can, you can look at David. You know, David didn't look at that giant and say, yeah, guys, he's big. Yeah, guys, he's, he, I, don't, I don't think we can take him down. You're right. His, his you know, stat cards, it's lined up. You know, he's, he's bigger than two of us. And I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. He didn't look at that and say, yeah, I'd be running too. He said, no, this guy's coming down because he is against God. He's uncircumcised. He has no covenant with God. And so he looked at him as this, this is a hindrance to our covenant. This is a hindrance to our inheritance. This is a hindrance to where we're supposed to be walking. We're not supposed to be enslaved. We're supposed to be walking in freedom. And so he's like, let's get this giant taken care of. And he took him down. So excellent people walk different, talk different. They pursue solutions where average people will stare at the, at the problem and, and be defeated. But an excellent person has an attitude. It's excellence comes from within. Even though you see it on the outside. But it comes from within. It's not something you can go to your closet and say, I'm putting on excellence today. It's from the inside because you choose to walk in excellence just as we choose to walk in love. 
Love is a choice. When you look at 1 Corinthians 13, it's a choice. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It means all of these things are choices. We have the opportunity to be impatient. We have the opportunity to envy someone. We have the opportunity to be boastful or self-seeking or prideful. Everybody has the opportunities to walk in that, but we choose love. We choose love. It's the same thing. We choose to walk in excellence. In excellence. It's something that we become, not what we do. Think about that for a second. It's something we become, not something we do. Because something we do can, well, I could do, I could do excellence today, and tomorrow I might not feel like doing excellence. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, excellence is part of your, your DNA, so to speak. You make it part of who you are. Like, I refuse to walk in mediocrity. Like, I keep consistency with excellence every day. I choose to be excellent today. I choose to be excellent tomorrow. I choose it the next day and the next day. Because it, it flows out of me, not because it's something I just do when I feel like it. It becomes part of who I am. Excellence. Let's turn to Genesis 39 and look at Joseph. No, you know what? Let's go to Daniel first. Let's go to Daniel first. Daniel chapter 6. Just starting at the beginning. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Dan Daniel was one of them, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Now, this is interesting because you have, you have three governors over the rest of the satraps, but the whole reason it's set up that way was so that the king would not suffer loss. Obviously, there was some corruption going on. Obviously, there were some things missing. There were some things that were being mishandled, and it was starting to show. So who can we put in, in charge to make sure that the king does not suffer loss? Well, you don't choose somebody of, of non-excellence, right, for that position. You choose someone that you can trust. You choose someone that you know has impeccable character, and you put them in that position. Someone that can handle the position. Someone that can handle making decisions and carrying those things out. So it says that he chose Daniel. Verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. He even outshone the other two governors. So, I mean, excellence is causing him to climb the ladder. Verse 4, and so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. And then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So they, they're looking at him going, this guy is like flawless. We can't find anything against him unless we somehow peg him concerning the law of God. So that's why they ended up choosing, uh, you know, the, the idol to bow down to, and no one can, can pray, and, and, you know, Daniel, we're going to end up finding him praying, and, and then we're going to throw him into the, the lion's den. And so they, they set this law up with the king, uh, no one should pray to anybody but you, O king, and, and we'll do this for so many days. And, and, but he didn't realize it was a trap. The king didn't realize it was a trap, so he signed the decree. It's set in motion, set in order, and, and then, you know, but Daniel continues to do what? He continues to pray. He doesn't change anything about himself. He doesn't change anything concerning the law of God in his life. 
because he continues to walk with an excellent spirit according to what? God, because it's coming from the inside of him. It doesn't matter what's happening out here. It doesn't matter who says what. The excellent spirit was flowing from out of him, not because of something that, that is existing on the outside. And it, he walked with such an excellent spirit that he wanted to set him over the whole realm. Because excellence brings promotion. Excellence brings honor. So that's why we, we say we must focus on excellence, not on chasing after these things, but we should focus on wisdom, focus on excellence. And in fact, excellence always encompasses two things. Always. You cannot have excellence without these two things. And one is ethics, and the other is integrity. Ethics are, are your moral convictions that create the behavior out of your life. Your moral convictions that create the behavior out of your life. You respond how you do in life because of your ethics, because of what you believe. It's the moral standard you have in your life that causes you to behave or to respond the way you do. What is integrity? Integrity comes from the word integration, to mix in, to, to bring together, right? Well, it's your belief system and your words together lining up. What you say should be what you do. You see what I'm saying? Because the person can say, oh, I do this, I do that. Oh, yes, amen, pastor. But their life may not show that at all. They may not live that at all. They're, they're all talk, but they're not walking the walk. Integrity is walking the walk with the talk that you talk. That's what integrity is. He's a man of integrity. What does that mean? He's a man of his word. What he says he will do. When he gives his word, you know that he's going to follow up with it. When he gives his word and he says he's going to do this, he will do it. That's integrity. That's integrity. So you can't have excellence without ethics or integrity. Those two things have to be in your life. There has to be a standard, and it's got to be a godly standard. And you must have integrity. You must have integrity. Let me give you... Um, let me give you a few points under, under excellence. People of excellence are governed by responsibility, not rights. People of excellence are governed by responsibility, not rights. Or you could say it, ethics, not entitlement. We kind of live in a little bit of an entitlement society, do you think? Maybe a little bit maybe 10%, 10% of the population. <laughs> There's a lot of people now, well, it's my right. It's my right. They owe me. They owe me this. And there's like an owe it to me attitude about things. Like even a job, people show up at their job and, and then all of a sudden it's like they, they, they think that, well, the boss should be giving me this. Well, you didn't. That was not an agreement when you came onto the job, and now all of a sudden you have an entitlement mentality that the boss should be giving you this. Well, that's not what you agreed upon when you were hired, an entitlement mentality, that someone should be doing what you want them to do, but there was never an agreement for that, but all of a sudden I should be just bowing down doing what you want me to do, an entitlement mentality. You owe me. But see, ethics or excellence doesn't flow by that. Excellence says, it is my responsibility to do what is right, not because I have rights or an entitlement. I do what is right. I do this because it is what Hawaii says, pono. It's the right thing to do. And it doesn't matter Who's looking, you be Pono. It, it doesn't matter who's around, who's watching, whether the head honcho is or whether nobody's around at all. You do what is right. Because why? Because God's watching. 
Because something in you wants to please him. It's not man that you're trying to please. You're not being a people seeker. You're being a God seeker. So you do what is right. What you say and what you do should match up. And when that happens, guess what? It produces trust. So people begin to trust you because you become a person of integrity. That's how you create excellence in your life. It's one of the ways. You create excellence in your life. Man, they're a person of integrity. They do what they're going to say. Or they, yeah, they do what they say. When that happens, people begin to put more responsibility. That's exactly what happened with Daniel. I can trust him. I'm moving him up. In fact, he's going to be the closest man to me. He's going to be right there. When I, when I need to ask him a question, is so-and-so cheating me? He's, he's going to be the closest man to me. Because I can trust him. Everything he does is with excellence. Everything he does, he does it to the highest of his ability. True leaders say what they mean, and they mean what they say. Well, that's not just in church. How is that with marriage? How is that in your workplace? How is it in your life personally? Are you doing what you believe? Because honestly, that's a true test. Well, I believe this, but then am I really doing it? Am I operating in it? I believe in the, the principle of this, but am I, am I operating in it? I don't believe in stealing, but do I have the mentality of, oh, my boss owes me two reams of paper anyway, so I'm just going to take that home with me. Ethical. The thing is, you should never have to ask someone to trust you. You should never have to ask someone to trust you. Why? Because your character will do that for you. People will trust you because you are trustworthy. Why don't you trust me? Oh, you just need to trust me. Well, has your character and your past decisions caused you to be trustworthy? And here's the thing. Whenever you begin to go through the test, only the test is going to, to be able to be the determining factor of whether or not you're trustworthy now. Because there has to be a test for you to come through to see if you pass the test. Without a test, we have no idea. So you can't ever expect, if someone comes up to you and says, why don't you trust me? Why can't you trust me? Well, they may not know you well, first of all. You got to give time to, to people to get to know you. But then second of all, if, if you've already broken their trust, then you have to give them time to build that trust up again and pass the test of trustworthiness. That's the only way to rebuild it. Turn over to Genesis. Turn over to Genesis 39. So that first one was people of excellence are governed by responsibility, not rights, or ethics, not entitlement. The second one, before we read this passage, the second one is excellent people make improvements. Excellent people make improvements, not excuses. Let's look at uh, Joseph in chapter 39. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor. Again, excellence brings favor. 
Joseph found favor in his sight and served him, and then he made him overseer of his house. And all that he had, he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome and forming. It starts going into the, the whole uh, uh, situation with Potiphar's wife and all of that, which he handled again with excellence. But my point is he, he was promoted again in Potiphar's house. Why? Because everything that he put his hand to prospered and he did it in such an excellent manner. You don't promote someone and put everything in their care. Think about it. If you brought someone into your house and you hired them on and you said, you know what, I'm going to give you my checkbook. I'm going to give you all the, all the stuff in my cabinet, take inventory, do you know everything I have here. I'm going to put it in your care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my, my uh, bank payment and everything like that. Here's the checkbook. You make the payments on time for the house and for the car, for whatever. You know, you just manage everything, okay? And you make sure that all the servants are listening and all of that. You don't do that to a person unless you trust them, unless they have been excellent in their character. You don't, you don't take someone that's already been shady and already made some poor decisions, say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and give you another shot. You know, here's, here's all my money. Okay, manage everything. You don't do that with somebody that's, that's not showing good decisions. So you know that Joseph was an excellent man. You know that he was already, and he, he, was, he, was been, he had been thrown in a pit by his brothers. He did not have a slave mentality, though. He could have showed up on the scene and Potiphar's house said, you know what, this really stinks. I do not deserve this. I don't know what you think you're doing buying me as a slave. I am not a slave. In fact, my father gave me a kingly a coat, a coat of many colors to show that I was better than my other brothers, and he honored me. He loved me more than his other, his other sons. He could have had that attitude. Whether he said all that or not, he could have had that attitude in his heart. He could have been like, this is the pits. I don't belong here. What kind of hand has been dealt to me? This is so unfair. God, if you're letting this happen to me, then I'm not serving you anymore. But he didn't. He didn't have a slave mentality. He kept his kingly mentality. Just because he didn't wear the title of a king in the physical, in the spirit, he kept his kingly mentality, and he operated like a king. As a result, he was promoted. See, we have to operate with a kingly mentality before we'll ever be promoted to any type of position like that. Excellent people make improvements, not excuses. Joseph did not make excuses. He didn't say, this, 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 uh, this shouldn't be my lot. This should not be my position right now. You know what he did? He made improvements. He made improvements to Potiphar's house. When he ended up in prison, he made improvements in the prison. Because the prison guard said, you know what? I'm going to put everything that this prison, how it's running and everything else, I'm going to put everything in your care. Everywhere he went, everything was handed to him because of what excellence. He, he, he went there with the mindset of I'm going to improve this place. When I leave this place, it's going to look better than when I came. Do we operate with that mindset that this, is going, this place is going to look better when I'm done with it. My, my position on this team, think about it from, we've, we went through a lot of training yesterday with security and, and uh, life group leaders and, and different types of leadership in the house. Do we in our ministry teams say, you know what, this team is going to look better whenever 
I leave, not that I'm leaving the house, but when I, when, if I ever uh, move to a different position, if I help out in a different arm or branch of the ministry, this team's going to look better. This department is going to look better because I'm going to improve it. I'm going to bring, bring what I can to the table. I'm going to bring my talents. I'm going to bring everything that the Lord has put in me. I'm going to bring it to the table and I'm going to excel. I'm going to improve myself so I can improve the place. Are you waiting for someone else to do it? Are you looking at someone else going, why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they getting that done? Are you waiting to be told? You know, one of the best books that I read, it's a very small book, but it's called QBQ, the letter Q, B, Q. And it stands for question behind the question. And the whole book, very small, whole book deals with taking responsibility and doing everything you can to make the situation better, not looking at a place or a person to point your finger to. One of the stories in that book focuses on a guy. It might, it might have been the author. I don't, it might have been the author that, that this happened to. Uh, but I think it was. And I think he, he went into this, this little uh, restaurant. He goes in to eat. He sits down. He, he wanted, I don't remember what it was, a Diet Coke or something. Well, they didn't serve that there. And the waiter comes over, and he's like, yeah, you have Diet Coke? And he said, uh, no, we don't, sir. He said, well, just give me this instead then. Well, the waiter goes back to the kitchen, puts his order up. Next thing you know, he comes back to the table with a Diet Coke. Well, how did that happen? He went across the street, bought the Diet Coke at a convenience store or some other shop, and brings it back to the table with his own money. Made something happen. He didn't go back to the back and say, that guy out there, he wanted a Diet Coke. You know, why can't people just order what's on the menu and make life a lot easier? <laughs> Again, complaint, right? He didn't look at it and say, I'm going to complain about this. I'm going to complain about the customer. He solved the problem. And he, yeah, he made it happen. He made it happen. Well, guess what? That guy didn't stay in that position for very long. He was promoted. Because if you keep doing that in life, how, how long is it going to take before somebody notices you? And they're going to say, that person's a person of excellence. They don't look for someone else to solve the problem. They get the problem solved. They find a way to solve the problem. And it was, it was such a good book. I made our employees read it whenever uh, we uh, ran the daycare center. Uh, years ago, and I made my employees read it, and and it was it was a game changer, honestly, because it it cut down on on a because it's a it's a mentality, it's a mentality that's in this uh, culture, it's in our world today of always blame someone else, always point your finger, always always complain about the issue instead of saying what can I do to solve this problem, and when I do. I'm actually promoting, I'm actually creating opportunity for myself by doing that. I'm not blending in like the rest of the world. I'm beginning to stand out because now I am making sure that this problem gets solved. Third point around excellence. The mediocrity or good enough mentality is the graveyard for excellence. The good enough mentality or mediocrity mentality is a graveyard for excellence. That means if you carry the, the well, it's good enough mentality, then it's never going to be excellent. And I'm not saying that you have to have, like, all the resources and everything at your hands or your disposal. You, you don't. And, and we're never going to have everything at our disposal. Many of you were at the Valentine's banquet. Did you guys think it was pretty? Was it nice? I know not everybody was there. Those that, that came. It, it was very pretty. 
Minister Mar did a, a wonderful job. And, you know, you could sit there and go, well, we don't have a, enough money because we got to buy all the, the stuff for the food and we got to, I mean, think about it. It was, it was $15 for a plate and for the ambiance there and the, you know, everything that was created. But you take what you have and you do it to the best of your ability and you make it as great as you can make it. Maybe it's not White House status, but when you came in, it was pretty. And it was such a nice atmosphere. <laughs> Why? Because excellence was put into it. Excellence was put into it. And it's the same thing in everything that we do. Excellence should be the mentality. Not, well, it's good enough. We'll just throw, we'll just throw a couple roses on the table. That's good enough. Excellence. You do it to the greatest of your ability. You run your classroom to the greatest of your ability. You lead your life group to the greatest of your ability. That means that, that you're, you're operating with a spirit of excellence. I'm pouring out everything, whether there's two people or whether there's ten people. I give it my all. I prepare, whether there's two people or ten people. It doesn't matter. Because God knows Whenever you have the little and you treat it as valuable, he'll what? He'll make you ruler over much. When Michelangelo was painting uh, the Sistine Chapel, you know, the, the big chapel, and it has all, those the, all the beautiful artwork on the ceiling all over. I've never been there personally. I'd like to see it. We, we in homeschool, read a book about it and, and read the history on it, and it was really neat. But he was back behind one of the pillars in the very corner behind, uh, you know, something else. Like, it's a, it was a corner that nobody would ever see. Like, nobody would ever see that corner. And he's up there, and he's laying on his back, and he's painting. And his, I think it was his assistant came in and was, was like, Michelangelo. And he can't even see him. Finally, he locates him. Why are you painting back? Nobody's going to see that spot. Like, why are you bothering? And he's painting, like, the finest little detail and he says, God will see it. He wasn't doing it for everybody else. He was doing it because of excellence, because of an excellent spirit. And, of course, everybody has seen pictures from that Sistine Chapel today. All right. I'm going to go over the last one very quickly because I already took up most of your time on, on that right there, just on excellence alone. Number six, the very last one, order, order. How else does wisdom flow through order? Wisdom flows through order. You can see excellence on people. You can see order on people. You can see it, how they manage their life, how they talk to people, how they respond to situations, how they, even how they dress, how they present themselves. That's a person of excellence. You can tell by the way their speech is, by how they present themselves. That's a person of excellence. How they order their day, a person of excellence. We already read the scripture in Proverbs 8.15. It says, by me, wisdom, kings rule. What does that mean? By me, wisdom, by wisdom, kings rule, order. When you rule over a land, what are you doing? You're bringing order into that country. You're bringing order into that land. There has to be certain things in place, principles, order, structure. Otherwise, the land is in chaos. And then it goes on and it says, rulers decree justice. What is that? Peace. When you bring order, there becomes peace. When you bring order to a land or to your home or to your, your workplace, to your church, there is going to be peace. There's going to be, when you have justice being served or justice being done, then people walk in safety. People walk with a, 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 um, a sense of security, knowing that if something happens, it's going to be dealt with. You can't say that in all countries. You go to some countries, if you go and try to report a crime to the cops and you saw it and if the cops are in on it, then you're going to be the dead body out on the street. 
So justice brings a sense of order and security, but that's wisdom. Corrupt countries have lack of wisdom, and they have chaos and order. What did God do in the very beginning? He brought chaos into order. He spoke order into being. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be. And he, what was he declaring? Order. He was declaring structure. Well, we have to have that in our life. Our life can't be just, well, whatever happens, happens. Well, you know what? I'll just uh, get up and see what the day brings. People of excellence, people of wisdom will bring order into their life. They have to, or they will never excel. But if you bring order into your life, you have structure in your life, you will see more peace in your life because you've ordered it. You've structured it. It's kind of like the, the story Pastor Brad uh, used this morning about when I, I left him at home <laughs> for church because I had gotten to a place. I was like, you know what? I don't have to be stressed on Sundays and and. Uh, this was years ago. For you that weren't here this morning, <laughs> this was not last week. Okay, this <laughs> this was left his butt at home. <laughs> I'm going to church. <laughs> this was years and years and years ago. But I was I I had come to a point. You know, I don't have to be stressed. I don't. Ha my world doesn't have to look like this. If if he wants to, then that's fine. But I'm not. And there's so many things in life that we'll take on of other people's if we're not careful. And then our whole world is in chaos. We're taking on someone else's problem, someone else's issue. It's fine if we choose to. But see, here's the difference. Many people take it on because they feel like they have to. If I don't do this, I'm not being a good Christian. Your whole life could be bled dry if you take on every person's issue because they don't have order. You see what I'm saying? It's lack of wisdom. But if you allow yourself to be pulled into that same world, then it's lack of wisdom that you're operating in by not discerning. It's one thing if you choose. Yes, I'm choosing to do this. I want to give this. I want to help here. But I don't have to answer every phone call. I don't have to come to every beck and call because there will always be a crisis. That will bring you a lot of peace in your life if you grab a hold of that. Because there's a lot of family members that can pull on you all day long. There's a lot of family members that can pull on your resources all day long. Pull on your finances all day long. And in 25, 30 years, you'll still have nothing because of the lack of wisdom. But when you gain the wisdom that they need to figure out wisdom. But I cannot be their answer. I cannot be their savior. It's one thing for me to help them. But I tell you what, it's much better for you to give them the tools than it is to bail them out every single time. I'm telling you this because it sets you free. Because as soon as, as you are able to walk in that peace, and walk, it's very freeing. It's very freeing to know that someone else is not dictating your day, your finances, your life, your emotions, and you're just a whirlwind just, just running to everything and feeling like I have to because it's the Christian thing to do. Because the Bible actually says that every man is to carry his own load. We are to help carry one another's burdens. See, this is a principle of wisdom. A person of wisdom operates by principles. It's another word for order. A person of, of wisdom will operate by principles or order. These principles come from the word of God. So when it says every man should carry his own load, that means the load that they are able to carry on their own, a normal job, making sure that their family's cared for. There, there's plenty of jobs, making sure that their, that their home is cared for. It's not my responsibility to make sure that every home is cared for. 
That's why God set up the structure of family. Every person has their own individual family unit. We are to care for our own families. When a man's uh, burden, which is a different word than load in the Greek, because load, every man carries his own load, is, is like a, a knapsack that they carry. Their own responsibilities. But the word burden is when it gets too big and they cannot stand up under it. And it crushes them. That's when someone steps in and can help carry the burden. Something that's too big. But we have to be discerning and understanding that sometimes wisdom is the best thing to be applied. Okay, you know what? I'm going to help you. But we need to get wisdom applied in this situation, not just bail you out. We need to get wisdom attached here. Not just every time for 25 years you're in the same cycle. So God shows wisdom so that we can live in victory. He doesn't want us to look, just like Pastor Brad said this morning, you're not called to look the same five years later. You're not called to look the same next year. There are people in here that after they got saved and set free, man, what a year will do through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the wisdom of the principles of God. Because that's what we're doing every, every week is throwing out principles, throwing out wisdom, throwing out the word of God, giving you the equipment, giving to prepare you, to give you, to equip you for the purpose of ministry. So that's that's our purpose, so that we can give you the tools, we can give you the equipment, and then you, in turn, do the same for others. And then you're multiplying, because every person is able to take another one, or another two, or another three, and be able to do the same thing. And man, once the momentum begins to build with that, it just starts steamrolling. And then you just start seeing person after person after person, testimony after testimony. And what a blessing when your church is filled with testimonies of people's lives that have been changed. Hallelujah. Minister Lehal, can you come to the keyboard? Principles, principles, principles. Discipline. However you want to word it. Discipline, principles, the word of God. These things are, are passion is important. Zeal is important. But principle will keep you. Think of it in a marriage. If we're totally dependent upon passion, what we feel, a marriage isn't going to stay healthy only based on passion. There have to be principles in place that I love you no matter what, that I stay with you no matter what, that I honor you, that I, that I don't look at someone else. That we go through thick and thin, we pray together, we exercise faith. But my, my commitment to you is not based on what I feel. It's not based on, on whether or not I feel passionate about it today. That's why principle and order is so important in our walk with Christ because it's the same thing. Our commitment to God cannot be based solely on passion because we all know that when we get out of bed in the morning, we're not all just flying out of bed unless you're one of those, you know, one of those crazies that fly out of bed and you're like, let's have a great day today. You might be one of those, but most people it takes, it takes a, a cup of coffee, <laughs> a few deep breaths, and, you know, getting, getting some muscles moving and then beginning, thank you, Lord, for today. Give you glory today. It's not like they're jumping out with complete passion. It's order. I get up and I go to work because 
that's what I have to do because it's my name, it's my reputation, because I'm excellent, because I am a man, I'm a a woman of God, I'm a person of integrity, I keep my commitment, I keep my word, I do what is right in the Lord's eyes, I walk in holiness, I walk in righteousness, this is my identity in Christ. You know, people that uh, come out of alcoholism, I never was crazy about AA because of the one thing. It's not like I've been to AA meetings. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a lot of good. I don't know. But the one thing that always bothered me is that they all claim that they're alcoholics for the rest of their life. I'm like, strike one. All you're doing for the rest of your life is still identifying with, with your bondage. So in your mind, you're never free. You're always going back to, I have this bondage. I have this problem. I have this this thing that's that's always going to hinder me and I'm never going to be set free. Instead of identifying with, I am a new creation in Christ. I don't do that because I walk in godliness. Whenever you start talking that way, I walk as a child of God. I honor God. I walk with integrity. I walk in holiness. I I pray to him every day. He is my source of strength. He is my refuge. In him will I trust. When you talk like that, you begin to believe in, in who you are in Christ you know that you're a changed creature then you don't have to fight this demon over here because you're like what's that that's not me this is who I am I don't even identify with that but as long as you identify with it you're always going to struggle with it that's why I hate diagnosis from from doctors I'm not saying I hate doctors that's not what I'm saying doctors can be very helpful what I'm saying is I hate diagnosis. Well, they're always going to deal with this. They're, we're going to stick this label right on them. And then for so many people, they just, they'll, they'll label their, their child or they'll label themselves for the rest of their life. I'm this. I have this problem. I'm this. I have this problem. I'm this. I have this problem. Instead of knowing the freedom in Christ and walking in his freedom and his joy and walking in the divine healing of God. That's faith. It's a faith walk. Order and principle. Order and principle. You have to have order and principle in your life in order to to bring wisdom in. It's a must. It's a must. If you go and get... Last point, I promise. If, if you go and get a driver's license, think about this. Driver's license is, is pretty easy to get. It's easier than getting a marriage license. <laughs> and marriage is, you know how important that is. But you go and get your driver's license, and then, and then you're, you've got this vehicle, which has got a motor in it, right? But you have agreed that you're going to follow these guidelines, and they've given you a license that you say that you're going to follow these guidelines that you just tested out of. I'm going to follow these rules, these these white lines and yellow lines and merging and lights and all of these things that that I have I've studied it and I'm agreeing to follow these guidelines, these principles. What kind of what kind of crazy would get in the vehicle and say, "Yeah, I passed the test, but forget that. I'm just going to do whatever I want." And you're all over the road and you're making turns wherever you want to turn and getting in lanes that you shouldn't even have any business getting in. That's nuts. But that's how some people want to live their life. I'm going to do all these things. I'm just going to do what I want. It's going to bring a life of chaos and wrecks. And then they go, why, God, is this happening to me? Without wisdom, without principles, we will deal with the chaos and the wrecks. But with principles and with the word of God, It brings peace and order. Amen.